welcome to another episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast, where we share the stories of the Strong Towns movement in action. I'm Rachel, Program Director at Strong Towns. In today's episode, we're talking with Sophia Hossein, who is helping to lead a community composting initiative headed up by the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, which is a longtime friend and partner of this movement. Now, right about now, some of you are probably very excited to hear more, and others of you are thinking, what the heck does compost have to do with building strong towns? As Sophia will explain in a lot more detail, community composting programs do a lot to make our places more economically resilient. First, they allow our neighborhoods and cities to be more self-reliant, taking the garbage that we generate and instead of pouring it into a landfill that occupies precious space and decreases the value and livability of everything around it, plus cost money to maintain, Instead, we're taking our food scraps and turning them into soil, which can then help us grow more food. And as we know, almost every town in America is far from that goal of being able to sustain itself on locally grown food, which insulates us from shocks to the global economy, saves on transportation costs, and generally increases our resilience. It's a really important tenet of being a strong town. A community composting network like the one that Sophia will talk about in Baltimore helps neighborhoods to develop rich soil in which to grow that healthy local food. This process takes waste produced by the community and turns it into something productive that benefits the community. Everybody wins. Also, as Sophia will share, the programs that she's working with have helped to create job training and other opportunities for entrepreneurship and employment plus strengthen neighborly connections and create a greater sense of ownership within neighborhoods. So listen with an open mind to this conversation about community composting, and maybe especially tune in if you are feeling a little bit skeptical about it. Sophia Hossein, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast. It's great to have you here. Thanks. I'm excited to be with you today. Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are now um, leading this composting initiative? Sure. Yeah. So I think in 2014 and 15, I got really into the idea of growing my own food. And uh, in 2016, I actually took the Neighborhood Soil Rebuilders course um, through the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, which is this, it's a course that's similar to like a master composter course. And I really realized how important soil and soil biology was to nutrition and especially the nutritional content of food that we grow. And it completely changed my trajectory with like food being my primary passion to really like focusing on soil and microbes. And um, that class actually inspired me to start a compost cooperative at Real Food Farm where I was in a beginner farmer training program. And things sort of set course for me from there. So we did the compost cooperative and then for a couple, I continued farming for a couple of years and I uh, was teaching, you know, freelance compost workshops to a couple of different urban farms in Baltimore. And fast forward, I, I worked for the Office of Sustainability in Baltimore for a little bit. And then I was privileged enough to be offered a position with the Institute. And now here we are. And I'm currently um, leading some of the efforts in Baltimore for with the Community Composting Network here and then also our Community Composter Coalition. 
Wow. Okay. Thanks for sharing that journey. Can you also, for folks that aren't familiar with Baltimore, can you tell us a bit about your community there? Um, maybe even your your specific neighborhood in Baltimore. You know, what is the city like? What do you love about it? And what are its challenges? So Baltimore is a really diverse place. And I think what I like uh, the most about it is that there's quite a few creative minds and creative thinkers and people who are kind of trying to think outside the box. It's not the wealthiest city. And so there's a lot of like community efforts coming together, whether it be, you know, growing food together or arts collectives or entrepreneurial collectives. It's just fun to be able to see all the different ways that people are pooling their resources uh, to come together. And a little bit about the neighborhoods that I've lived in specifically, I was on the West Side for a while, and uh, I was really close to a community garden called White Lock Community Farm, and they have a compost operation there as well, and they're run by some really wonderful people. Shout out to Miss Kimberly. And what I love the most, I think, about being in neighborhoods like that is uh, having a communal gathering space, even through the pandemic, where you're outside and you feel safe and you can kind of engage in this activity that, you know, is is making your community healthier, right? They have like a really awesome um, bike, mobile like bike market that they do where somebody will bike around the neighborhood with fresh produce in the back of their cart and sell it. And so it's like a whole new level of accessibility, right? Um, So I love seeing things like that. And that's just one tiny example of like Baltimore spirit. (laughs) Yeah, very cool. Now let's like get into more specifically the Institute for Local Self-Reliance's Composting for Community project. How did this come to be and what is the mission? I am fairly new to the team, but the Composting for Community initiative is led by Brenda Platt, my uh, my mentor and boss and awesome person all around. And I think that a lot of this momentum sort of started much earlier with like an anti-incinerator and like waste to wealth movement where, you know, and this is this is true of Baltimore too, we see a lot of large scale waste processing facilities that have really adverse effects on their communities. So for example, here in Baltimore, we have the Bresco incinerator, which is um, marketed as like... Um, renewable energy kind of facility, but in reality, it's responsible for, I think, um, $55 million worth of health incidents a year. And that's, you know, in the state of Maryland, but also in our neighboring states uh, where that pollution is traveling through the airstreams. You know, what we see also, particularly in Baltimore, is that in South Baltimore, where the incinerator is located, people have a lot of trouble with asthma and other like lung and respiratory related disease. And there's like a direct correlation between that and the pollution that's happening. Um, And there's a, there's a couple different waste processing facilities there. So I think that, you know, a, a big motivation was noticing how something that we throw away so often with so little regard is contributing to, you know, adverse health effects, but it's also a waste of really precious resource. Um, Given the erosion of topsoil and climate change, you know, like composting is a really a win-win for all in all of those arenas. It's good for the nutritional content of your food. It's good for air quality. It's good for water uh, retention in your soil. It's good for building soil structure. It's good for microbiology, you know, and all of these things 
when done at the community scale can also really create wealth and circulate dollars in your community, right? Like you can create jobs. And um, in fact, community composting creates more jobs on average than, you know, something like a landfill or an incinerator. And so I think all of these, you know, positive community oriented goals with health, community health and community wealth being at the center of it really influenced um, how this program uh, came to being. What actually does your work entail, like your day-to-day um, and and your work with others who are involved in this project? Like, what does it look like on the ground? It looks like a lot of different things. Uh, we've got some exciting things in the works right now. Um, just to give you a couple examples. So last year in Baltimore, with the support of um, NRDC and the Rockefeller Foundation, we were able to, and the Office of Sustainability, we were able to expand our community composting network in Baltimore from about like four sites to 13 sites, I believe. And so that was a big a big push that we did last year. And, and that kind of entailed doing site visits and figuring out what people's like waste generation habits were, figuring out what their labor inputs were and trying to see how we could make composting work for them. And so from there, we would pick a, pick a system that seems like it would, it would vibe with the rest of what they had going on and get them tools and do some trainings and get them sort of set them up for success to compost on their site. So that's like one aspect of it. And we do that not just in Baltimore, but, you know, in, um, in a couple other cities as well. Right now, we're working particularly with Philly and really excited about the momentum that they're, they're creating as well. Um, and then some other things that we're working on. Um, uh, so we have a community composter coalition, which is a national coalition of composters across the country. And we coordinate a forum each year to bring everybody together and kind of talk best practices, challenges, figure out how to grow. And, you know, there's a really, we have a really diverse membership, people from like micro bike haulers to people who have um, vehicles to people who do community scale composting or who just focus on education. So that's a really, you know, awesome and rewarding network that we've sort of created and managed. And then um, another really, two, I'll tell you two more awesome things we're doing and then I'll, I'll stop. Um, <laughs> we are part of an awesome challenge this year um, that's called the Million Acre Challenge, which focuses in Maryland. And its goal is to have 30 million acres, or sorry, a million acres um, of Maryland uh, agricultural land using regenerative practices by the year 2030. And so that's really exciting. We're kind of heading up the composting bit of that and really honing in on on on-farm composting. And that's, you know, it's a different scale than community composting, generally speaking. You're using more land, generally bigger machines, and um, some of the process is a little bit different too. So that's a fun thing. And we've got a webinar series coming up on that will specifically be geared towards on-farm composting. So that's something to look forward to. And then the last thing is we're working on, um, given our online, the online nature of life these days, we're working on an online training module for people to be able to take at their own pace from home that will take them through the basics and science and how-tos of community composting. So we're hoping to have that launched this summer as well. Very cool. And just for folks who are listening, when you say like community composting, is that like a, a whole neighborhood or like a school or a church, like what sort of sites are sort of the, the conveners or facilitators of this? Sure. Yeah. All of the above. I think we have uh, all of those sorts of organizations in our community composting network. And I think the essence of community composting network, uh, community composting is that it's done at a small scale 
um, generally using local inputs and local labor and resources in order to maintain it. And with the goal and output being you have like this beautiful soil amendment that is then ready to be applied in your neighborhood. And so some of the organizations that we work with, we work with the Black Church Food Security Network. They have a community garden and a composting site um, at the Northside Baptist Church. Uh, We also are working with food rescue organizations. We've noticed that especially in the last year of pandemic, you know, there's a lot of food waste that's being generated. And a lot of that food waste is beautifully being recovered and redistributed to people in need. But there's still some waste that's created. And so working with food rescue organizations um, to compost their food that they're not able to distribute in time has been a really uh, new and awesome engagement in this last year. And then urban farms, community gardens are, you know, the the top uh, candidate, generally speaking. It seems like a great approach to have it based in a neighborhood or community, because like I'm thinking back to most of my adult life, I've lived in small apartments where like composting just seemed really out of reach or, or very challenging to pull off in when you don't have outside space or you have like a very small balcony or something. So is that is that also a component of this? Like folks who wouldn't be able to do it in their own home um, can can be part of it at a more neighborhood level. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think and and also another thing to think about is people's like physical ability is also and, and also like access to transportation and sometimes uh moving around material or you're composting at home is hard if you don't have access to those things. And so by harnessing the power of community, you're really able to compost at a larger scale, but also like utilize community resources and use people to their strengths and to their, um, to their gifts. And, and the other big thing, especially when you're composting in urban environments is that there is pest pressure, right? Like urban Mm -hmm. environments have lots of rats. And so maybe that's not something you want to invite in your house. And so by composting at the community scale, right? Like, we have solutions for that. We have rat-proof systems and, um, you know, they're located outside. So you never really have to worry about stuff like that, which is a huge plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great point. What drew you to this work? You talked a little bit about like coming from a farming background. Like, did you grow up um, doing farming or gardening? Like, was composting something in your home as a kid? Or how did you how'd you end up being drawn to this? You know, it wasn't. It wasn't something that I grew up with. I feel like nature is something that I was able to connect with much more as an adult. Um, and so it was It was really food. <laughs> I love food. I love working with fresh ingredients. I love, I, you know, prior to working in farming, I was, you know, in the service industry and I worked at restaurants and I just love like the culinary art of preparing and the, the, the ritual of eating. And, um, it was really when I realized that, well, for me, it was a personal journey of, of realizing food as something that could had the capacity to heal it is sort of when I realized that I wanted, I wanted to know how to do this for myself. And I felt like it was like a really important skill for me to cultivate and then also pass on to my kids in the future. And when I realized how intricately tied soil health was to food and food growing and climate change, that's sort of really when my entire approach to this shifted because, you know, growing food is one thing, but creating um, and sustaining like soil health and soil life is like a whole nother arena that has so many more benefits. And like, yes, you can still grow food abundantly, but the benefits are you're growing food that's nutrient rich in a sustainable way, in a way that's good for your environment, good for your community and good for 
good for the planet, you know? And, and that really just like, it kind of compost just broadened the way that I approached something that I was already really passionate about. And it kind of encompassed it within this beautiful art of turning something that people think of as trash or as something with no value into something that is nutrient rich and, and it's the best soil amendment you could find, you know? And so it, I like, I like that aspect of it too. I love like recycling and like recycled, upcycled art and stuff like that. And so in some ways, this was just like another version of that, right? Like upcycling these food scraps into nutrient rich soil amendment. That's good for everyone and everything. Yeah, that makes sense. You mentioned that you really see some economic benefits of this type of work of having composting going on in neighborhoods. What are what are some of those that you've seen around you? Like, how are you seeing this program help improve the economic well-being of your community? Yeah. So one really cool way that emerged sort of in the last year was through our um, training program through our neighborhood soil rebuilders program and some of the other training that we we get to do we are able to we adopt like a train the trainer model where we show people how to do this themselves right we show people how to build three three bin rat proof systems or we teach people how to build screeners and one of the really like awesome and tangible ways that this kind of has showed up in the last year is that some of the people who we've trained have now been become like building contractors to build these systems at different farms and so it's like we're sharing the skills and then those people are able to go on and use those skills to make a living you know as as freelance builders or or whatever it is and um so that's one way and then you know there's also like an abundance of small haulers and you see this particularly in the community composter coalition but also in baltimore that are able to that they they see this need in the community they see this momentum towards organics recycling and are able to establish a business around it and one of our favorites in baltimore is the baltimore compost collective that was modeled after another site bk rot in our in our um, compost coalition and marvin hayes is the manager of that program and he is able to do compost collection he does a door-to-door compost collection service and um, is able to in the process hire youth workers and work with youth workers not only train them on compost but kind of give them like their first work experience and do some like skills building and professional development as well and so it's been really rewarding to just see, you know, all of the different levels where people can take these skills and turn them into more than a passion project, right? Like sometimes a business and a way to sustain their lives. What would you say to someone who is hearing this and like the first thing they think of when they hear about compost is like, that's for hippies or, you know, let's be honest, like that's kind of gross. I don't want to deal with like all these food scraps and the pests. Maybe some people might see it as like expensive or time consuming. What's your reaction to that? Why should people be more open to the idea of composting? That's a great question. I think what I would say is that that's not a problem. There's a way to compost for every level of comfort and for every level of involvement. You know, like the beautiful thing is that if you don't want to compost at home and you don't have the time or the infrastructure, you can always engage with a small hauler, right? And they have services where you can just put your compost on your front step and they'll pick it up for you once a week. Or if that's not an option for you, the city established a farmer's market food scrap collection program where if you go to the farmer's market, you can take your compost there for free 
and drop it off with them. And they have a really beautiful like food rescue oriented mission there where all of the food scraps that are collected at market actually go to feed uh, pigs at Paul's farm. And Jen Paul is the farmer there. And so it's like you're rescuing that food waste at a higher level of use, which is food rescue. um, It's an edible rescue for animals. So that's, you know, another option. Or if you do feel passionate about it and like getting dirty, but don't want to commit in your backyard, check out a community garden that's already doing it. They're literally everywhere, you know? And then you know, additionally, the Baltimore DPW was, we were were able to partner with them last month and offer some home composting workshops. So if you are feeling really impassioned, or you will, you anticipate that you will somewhere down the line, you can take a workshop and learn how to compost at home and sort of feel empowered by that knowledge. So it's flexible. It's beautiful in that it's flexible. And there's a way to do it for everyone at every comfort level. Yeah, that's great to hear. And I know that those sorts of initiatives are going on like all over the country um, from what I've seen. It's just a growing movement. Yeah. What are some of the the results and successes of this initiative that you feel most proud of or excited to share about from the last last couple years of your involvement? You know, when I first started composting, I think that there was definitely some momentum and there was already um, an established network of composters at the Real Food Farm. But I think in the last couple of years, like due to a, a really diverse approach to food waste reduction, we've seen the movement get a lot of momentum. And um, I think last year, or maybe it was two years ago at this point, I don't know what time is anymore, but the um, there was a zero waste plan that was developed for Baltimore um, that you know, encompassed composting, but a a lot of other zero waste development initiatives for the city. And we can see, I think what's cool to see is that some of this movement that happened, you know, in 2016, when I first started in this realm, has sort of sown the seeds for some of the bigger movement that's happening, you know, like that was the first compost cooperative in 2016. And after that, the Baltimore Compost Collective came along. And after that, we saw, uh, we built some more composting systems at a couple different farms. And now that network has grown to 13. And now there's a zero waste plan. And now there's a couple hauling businesses in Baltimore. And now the government is, you know, putting out food rescue and food waste reduction initiatives and is starting their own compost collection program at the, at farmer's markets. And, you know, it's just cool to see how organically with a little bit of effort from community, small ideas can turn into large movements and how that is really, it's really done through community and it's really done through engagement and persistence and like I could never have done any of that by myself right but with the power of people you can really start seeing change and that's something that is really rewarding and I can't it's sometimes still a little bit surreal that it's happening here (laughs) yeah that's awesome what is next for the Composting for Community initiative um, and other composting work in Baltimore or beyond? Um, what are you looking forward to this summer? So I really love the idea of working with uh, farms and farmers on on-farm composting. That's definitely a new area of engagement for us. And it's really exciting because... Um, as much food waste as we generate in our households, you know, like farms generate much more food waste. If you think about that broccoli plant, right? You harvest the one broccoli off the top of it, but then that whole plant, something has to happen with that, right? And so that's where, and you know, like 
also think about like the cattle industry or the dairy industry. There's like, or the, you know, poultry industry. There's so much waste that happens with animal uh, production farming as well. And so um, thinking about on-farm composting is really exciting because it's at a much larger scale, obviously, and it's it, there's different methods, you know, there's different equipment that you use, and there's a different unique set of challenges with it. Um, you know, so farmers have to work with a nutrient management plan, and sometimes that can get a little bit tricky when we're thinking about compost, or farmers often have limited resources and limited labor capacity, and the season is so busy <laughs> for them, you know, it's like, how do we fit composting, which is very important, um, and has the potential to alleviate some of their financial burdens. You know, like farmers often buy lots of um, soil amendments, you know, to make sure that their soil is nutrient rich and ready for the growing season. And it's like, how can we fit compost into that kind of space? Um, and how do we fit it into their needs, but also with consideration for their their capacity. And so it's this interesting puzzle that we're really chew- chewing through right now. And I'm hoping, so the Million Acre Challenge will last, it's a 10-year challenge. <laughs> so, and we're in year two of the project. So we're at the beginning phases of this kind of new, new leg of work for us. And I think that, I think that it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out and how regenerative agriculture continues to hopefully spread and develop over the next couple of years because you know with the reality of climate change we need we need more conscious soil stewards and land stewards Mm -hmm. so to close us out what advice would you offer for anyone who's interested in trying to you know get started with composting or maybe plug into a community composting network um, and they just want, wants to take that like first step. What advice would you offer to them? Don't be intimidated. And we have on our website a list of the Baltimore community composting sites, and I can I can give you a link to that if you wanted to to link to it in the podcast so people can know where those are. And also check out the coalition. So if you're not in Baltimore or in the DMV area, if you check out the coalition, they'll have. They're across the country, right? So you'll be able to find somebody in every state who's composting, and that might be a good place to start. If you're looking for training or for just like how-to knowledge, we have lots of webinars and lots of lots of resources that are geared towards like beginners and learners that are will really like walk you through every step of the composting process. And then also, I think the best way maybe to get involved is sometimes just to get out there. And I know that it's been a little bit hard this last year because of restrictions and safety and all of that, but check out your local community garden or your local community farm. Generally, they always need volunteers and it's fun to be outside and it's fun to see where your food comes from and composting. It just like fits naturally into that ecosystem. So, you know, the food, food was the gateway for me and I feel like food could be the gateway for a lot of people. So I think um, always encourage (laughs) people to get involved with their local gardens because they're a great place to learn and connect and create community and, and, maybe just get a little bit more cozy with the idea of composting. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sophia, for sharing your your insights and your story with us. And also just like shining a spotlight on on this topic that I think a lot of folks don't think a lot about, but as you've as you've shown, it's like the soil underneath our feet is so important to our our very survival as humans. So, thank you for joining me for this conversation. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. 
All right, lots of great stuff in there. I will make sure to share a bunch of the links to um, different organizations and resources that Sophia mentioned. I also want to remind you, as I mentioned on the last episode, we've got an important webcast coming up June 8th at 11 a.m. Central. It's called Breaking Out of the Resource Trap, an Economic Plan for Resource-Based Communities. And this presentation is going to feature Chuck Marone talking all about a new ebook we have coming out of the same name that's really focused on helping communities that are reliant on a single employer, usually a mine, a lumber mill, a factory, and have gotten stuck in, in that rut, especially when that company leaves, decreases production, whatever. So we've created this ebook and a series of articles and this accompanying webcast to help your community think through those sorts of challenges and most importantly, to build a more diverse local economy for the future. I think this stuff is relevant even if you don't consider yourself to live in in a resource-based community. There are tons of tactics we're gonna share all about building up more resilient local economies. So join us for that webcast, June 8th, 11 a.m. Central. Head to strongtowns.org slash grow stronger or strongtowns.org slash events to get all the info and to make sure to sign up. If you're appreciating benefits like that ebook, that webcast, this very podcast you're listening to, know that all of this is made possible through mostly small donations from members who care about this movement, who are taking action in their towns, and who are part of the bottom-up revolution. So if that's you, we would love to have you join as a Strong Towns member. Head to strongtowns.org slash membership to join today. Memberships start as low as $25 a year, $5 a month. Um, honestly, if you make a $1 donation a year, you are a member, you're part of this. And there's a lot more that comes along with that. We really go to our members for ideas, to give their opinions on new things. Um, we're sharing stuff with them before it comes out to the general public. Like I'll just let you know right now, that ebook is going out to members before it even goes out to the people who sign up for the webinar. So that and a lot more happens when you officially join this movement. Strongtowns.org slash membership. You can do that today. Thank you so much to everyone who is already a member and thanks to everyone who listens to this show. All right, have a great rest of your week and we'll see you back here next time for the next episode. Take care.